Hardware stores are reporting Major League Pitcher sightings in an attempt to promote their hashtag Pitchers Who Rake today on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. Some players might get waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Madison Baumgartner is back on his ATV after hearing he won't get to bat again, and Michael Lorenzen is no longer in Major League Baseball. That and more today on Dingers. You get a DH. You get a DH. You get a DH. Every NL team gets a DH. But your pitchers have to face three batters today on Dingers. NL teams everywhere rejoice knowing they have to pay pitchers and DHs more money today on dingers time to settle in after all those intros for another episode of dynasty baseball podcasting dingers welcome to dingers the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart peoples it's just not neil walker that wins you championships that's why each week we're going to give you the best tips and tricks to win and live that straight up og lifestyle I'm Tyler Childs, and I'm joined tonight by Robbie Baseball. Glenn forgot to put his cover on his TPS reports. He's also going to have to go in on Saturday. He's not with us this evening. Rob, it's been, you know, our third week of dingers here. Pretty excited to get into our third base prospects today. What do you got? Are you excited about this episode? I am super excited. I even wrote Glenn an intro for tonight that I am now going to do just because I took the time to write it. So this is Rob being Glenn. Welcome to episode three of Dingers. I'm your host, Glenn. On today's show, we're diving into the hot corner, third base dynasty rankings, episode three, three-hole preview. Wow. We are using an 8 by 8 categories format with OPS, strikeouts and walks for hitters, and save holds, quality starts, hits per inning, and walks per nine that you can find in deep dynasty keeper leagues. We're going to try a new show format today where me, Glenn, who's not actually here, will wrangle the two co-hosts, Rob and Tyler. And we appreciate your feedback on how you like this new format that we don't get to do because Glenn's not here. But you can hit us up at Dinger's Podcast on Twitter, and we will be doing a Q&A in the near future. So submit your Dynasty-related questions now. Well, that, that was excellent. You know, we, we give Glenn a hard time, but he's, he's a good sport. And uh, we look forward to him recovering uh, when he gets off the, the DL here uh, and back into the lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's made one of three episodes, so that's a 333 uh, attendance. I don't know how that's going to work out for Hall of Fame rankings for him, but, uh, you know, he has at least been here. And he he's, did guarantee us a teaser of an awesome guest on the next episode. He's basically the Troy Tulowitzki of our podcast. Oh, no, not too <laughs> low again. <laughs> this is what happens when you're not here, Glenn. <laughs> uh yeah we started talking too low so um so the updates brought to you by glenn uh not too much happening in mlb signings unless you like mark reynolds uh run, ruining ian desmond and ryan mcmahon's value so, uh, and um also uh desmond is left field uh, or outfield uh, eligibility and ryan mcmahon as far as roster resources is concerned is playing third base in triple a to start the season 
Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that pretty much ends the Carlos Gonzalez back to Colorado rumors that are kind of out there. Um, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I like cargo. I mean, I, I remember the very first year we started that 14 teamer that we're in. Uh, I got cargo in the 12th round, and it was the year he really popped. Uh, and, and he ended up being the number one player that season. So, pretty. Uh, he, he has a, a sentimental spot in my heart because that was the first of my many championships. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, Colorado's getting crowded. I mean, if they can hold their pitching together and everybody can stay healthy, uh, we've, I've said it before, they're, they're the best team in the NL. So, you know, Reynolds is a nice veteran piece, big right-handed bat uh, off the bench to go with – McMahon's left-handed, right? Am I, am I remembering that right? I believe he is, but I could be confusing that with some other um, prop that they brought in who had some uh, potential intrigue. Um, Tom Murphy, was is he – the catcher that can't catch, is he a left-handed bat? I think it's one of those two guys. I thought he was the catcher that can't hit. What's the, didn't I say bat? Oh, I thought you said catch. Oh, um, either way. That'd be Gary Sanchez in New yeah, York. He, but anyway. <laughs> he can catch. He just can't block anything. That's what, yeah. <laughs> He'd be great as a goaltender or Mighty Ducks 4, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing him tied to the home plate. Yeah. <laughs> They pin him down, so he just blocks the balls. That's right. Well, let's get into to third base. I mean, for me, I'm a third baseman. That's what I grew up playing. Uh, so this one, I, I love the third base, base position. Uh, I, I think it's really changed for a really long time. It was, it was a um, back-and-forth, deep, shallow, deep, shallow position. Uh, then we went through a couple years where it was really shallow, and now we're starting to see that depth come back. Uh, for me, it's the deepest position this season if you separate outfield by left, center, right. But, um, you know, ultimately, it's, it's a very, very polar uh, position, as we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but I'm excited. What, what are the things you're looking at on, on the third base before we jump into our rankings here? Well, most recently in my um, amateur softball co-ed life, uh, shout out to Team McLovin. We folded in 2016, but we had a good run for three years. Um, I was at the hot corner and loved the action because uh, my buddy was a shortstop, so I played third base. His wife was at first base. He would always lob them over to her, and I had no problem rifling one right at her. Uh, you know, give or take the wild, the wild throw for me. I, the thing I love about third base is that this is where a lot of top prospects tend to break in and then get shuffled in and around to different spots. It seems like every year you look on the prospect list, you're like, oh, there's a good guy. Oh, there's a good guy. And whether they end up um, playing there or not, Senzel will be a good point of uh, topic of discussion for us. But um, this is where if you can hit, if you, if you got power, you are a damn fine option in Dynasty. And then what, like we see or saw a couple of years ago, other guys like uh, Chapman just kind of come out of nowhere and steal the position away. And here we are today. So Well, and the other thing I think that's kind of happened at third base is with all of the shortstop prospects coming up, I think a lot of teams have have left their prospects that normally would have moved to third earlier in the process. Thinking about guys like Kevin Smith and the J system is a good example. Um, the uh, uh, what's the kid coming up through Tampa Bay? Oh, uh, Nathan Lowe? No, no, no. He's playing too big. Uh, Wander Franco. Oh, he's shortstop. Yeah, for now he's got third base yeah. written all over him. I think, um, I think it actually says Franco on his jersey, but. Yeah, Franco Franco. Yeah. You said it was written all over him, but I think 
I think it says his name. Anyway. That one, that one, that one hurt. This is why Glenn's supposed to be here. Yeah, Glenn, yeah we're, Glenn, we need you. Uh, we, we need to get like a bat symbol in the sky for Glenn. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, for me, Frank Hill's a guy that's going to move over there. Bragman's a guy that, that moved there. But I think the big reason you're seeing this um, with all the pull happy guys that are in pro ball, third base is becoming an increasingly more important defensive position. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these guys that maybe would have been fringe shortstops in the past, just move them over. Manny Machado is another guy that fits into that category. Um, you know, he, he could certainly be on this list. We've left him off because he wants to be a shortstop, uh, but he could definitely fit this category. No questions for sure. Definitely. And yeah, as we had discussed earlier, um, there are so many different players who are, were second and third base eligible that we did in the last episode or shortstop and second base or whatever that we tried to make sure wherever we felt that individual player's highest value was, that's where we ranked them in the dynasty ranking. So um, you might see certain guys on here who have like Bregman, as you just mentioned, has multi-position el- eligibility. We think it peaks at third base. So that's where we've slotted them in, in the dynasty. So we might mention them in another show or a different player, but this where you see the one to 10 for us is where we think, they are the greatest asset at that position. Yeah. So let's, let's dive right in. Bregman's a great intro into to the position. I actually have him ranked number one. Uh, and I know that's not going to happen on a lot of people's lists. Um, everyone's high on Jose Ramirez. He's a great baseball player. And, and I believe that's who you have number one on your list, correct, Rob? Yes. So, I mean, for me, I, I, I don't necessarily have anything against Ramirez. I just don't think that Indians roster is good enough for him to continue producing at the level he has. And, and I think that is ultimately a problem for his longevity uh, of production. Um, and that's ultimately why I think Bregman's ready to take that step forward because before Vladdy gets up and running for me, Bregman's the best pure hitter at the position. Um, and that's why I've got him number one. I, I think this is the year uh, if, if Correa stays healthy I think he fully shines and gets to his, his potential, which um, I think will outshine the likes of, of Jose Ramirez in, in 2019. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. Like Bregman is, I think he's entering his year 26 season. So last year, um, you know, just to quickly rip off the stats, he had 31 dingers, 286 average, 926 OPS, 10 steals, 103 rebounds, (laughs) rebounds, (laughs) RBIs, um, reading is fun. 51 of those. Say, might have had that many rebounds at the bar after games. <laughs> Boom. Or answering people back on Twitter. Um, <laughs> he, he did have 51 doubles, uh, 96 walks. And, and that was in a ton of plate appearances, 705. So 705 could easily be a career best for plate appearances because that is a lot. So that's not the at-bats that we always see, but I'm counting the plate appearances here um, because it's a dynasty format. You're looking long-term. Either way, I think he's, I think he's great. I moved him into my number two slot um, because I had Ramirez as, as my number one. And, and I, I do agree that Cleveland is, uh, I would say, no more than two years away from starting to fall back. And, I mean, that could be enough for Ramirez to have well-established himself. Like, I have my number three guy, who is your number two, which is Nolan Arenado. Those are guys who have just, you know, really established themselves. Now, Arenado has done it for longer than Ramirez, but Ramirez's numbers are all right around the same and or better 
than Arenado, and he's doing it in a park that's not giving him the boost that every time you hear about a, a hitter going to Colorado, you think, oh, goody. Uh, Ramirez well, has done it in a standard park, if you want to call Cleveland that. I mean, you and, and players in Colorado are synonymous. I mean, you draft half your team based on whether or not they play in Colorado. So that that's is the story. <laughs> I mean, that's oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of why I have Arenado too. But the, the thing that I draft a lot in a lot of my leagues is free agent years. Uh, and that's what we're talking about with Arenado. He got paid a crazy amount through arbitration this year, or, you know, ultimately they, they signed a deal before it, but let's call it what it is. They yeah, just $26 million. It's the highest arbitration case, which I think Don, was Donaldson previously yeah. the highest. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. go up every year now, but yeah, I mean, there's only so many players too that are going to come in the ripe ages with huge production years, but um, Arenado might be the peak for a long time without inflation, but um you know, that's why I got him too. I just think he's primed for a good year. I think that, you know, we've already talked about it on this episode. Um, Colorado, for me, is the best team in the NL. Uh, I just, everything for me points to Arenado. I, I almost put him one, um, but I just think Bregman uh, is primed for a bit of a better year with the roster around him. Well, I, I think too, for me, having Arenado at three is a direct result of one year left in Colorado. So just like major league teams currently, um, I don't want to pay for his past production if I'm picking him up in dynasty format. I'm going to take him for this year, and I'm going to take him high, but I'm certainly not willing to, um, you know, latch on to him for the long haul until I know exactly what he's going to do. But at any point this year in a dynasty format, you can easily swap him out for top future value. And, I mean, if I saw an Arenado for Bregman offer or something like that, I would be very interested to see how I felt each month of this year as time passes based on how the guys are doing. And again, as closer to uh, free agency for Arenado. There's no way Arenado's leaving Colorado. Um, that situation is just too good for him. Uh, Colorado does pay their top players, or at least they have in recent, mis- recent history. Uh, so I, I don't think that they're going to let him go. They've got a couple of years before they got to worry about story. Uh, for me, story's the odd man out long-term. Uh, Brandon Rogers will be there. Garrett Sampson will be there. You have the prospects to let story walk. Um, Arenado's just, he's your guy. You got to hang your hat on that guy. Uh, I I think he gets paid. I wouldn't even be surprised if they get it done early this season, um, given that they've already kind of put a compromise into arbitration. Can't imagine they didn't table a concept at that point. Yeah, it certainly would be nice if they could get something done because watching all of the talent that's still sitting out on the free agent market now, um, what are we, February 8th, um, seeing what's still sitting out there, like, oh, man, it, players need to sign earlier for the sake of everybody's sanity. Uh, baseball GMs, I'm sure, would like to make sure they've got their uh, prospective rosters headed into camp, and it just seems like it's getting later and later. So but we don't want to get off topic onto all that stuff today. So. Spring training sales tickets are down. I mean, the 700 capacity is now at 400, the average stadium in Florida this year, just because these guys aren't signing. I'm, you know, it's, it's something that I, I don't think will have any impact at all, but um, more or less, I, I think Arenado for me is at two. You have a very different guy at two. Um, and, and I know you're going to get goaded for this one a little bit. So I, I'm excited. Well, I did. I, I moved him. Sorry, I did move him. It's not on this one, but I moved him to three, and that's Vlad. So I went with Ramirez. Um, 
sorry, Ramirez, Bregman, Arenado, Vlad. So Vlad became fourth. Okay. But which is where where you have him now. But the reason for me having him higher before I checked into everything else again um, was basically like I'm gonna do my best to withhold my Toronto base in this and just go off what everyone else has been saying. Last year he had a 388 average uh, in Double A, Triple A, and I think that included the Fall League too, Arizona Fall League. He has recorded. I think the hardest or second hardest ball in the Statcast era in uh, an AZL game. He is just a damn good hitter. And the difference between him and his father is that he can take a walk. Whereas Vladdy originale was anti-walk. Um, Vlad Jr. takes more walks than he does strikeouts. And the only reason he's not up to start this year, or he, the only reason he won't be up is because it's not worth it because the way the contracts are set up for him to come up until whenever they know for sure they're going to get past that Super 2 date, because why on earth would you want to do that to your franchise when you're not in a contending season? So for me, I think, I think they had said on steamer projections, his low end was 270 to be, a, to be a hitter this year, but they had stated he would be a 300 hitter. That was kind of the average that they gave him. If you're doing that to a guy who has never seen a pitch in a major league game, enough people are backing him that I'm just kind of on the wave and I'm just saying, you know what? I would take him to depending on what we're doing. If we're dynasty, I would have no issue taking him to, we were just in a draft where he went three overall, um, not just at third base, but in the entire draft, he went third. It was trout bets and Vlad. And the guy that got him said, finally, I've got him in a league. Uh, it was Chris. Who's typically, I think the, is a Rangers fan and does his best to draft all the crappy Rangers, but he took a shot on an actual prospect uh, that's not in the Texas system. And I, I can see Vlad doing great things. And as Toronto develops over the next two to three seasons and kind of rolls over their whole infield, he's the perfect guy. And if he's, if he's not handling third well, they're going to be able to very easily move him right over to first. I think Toronto fans at least have seen what happened with him and Edwin. Uh, or sorry, with Edwin at third base, having no confidence, couldn't hit, all these terrible things. They move him to first, all of a sudden the guy's a stud. Listen, I mean, if you take Vlad in the first overall pick, I'm, I, I wouldn't even blame you for doing that. I think he's, this, he's that good. Um, I, I don't generally reach on those guys. Um, it's just not my philosophy. I, I think there's, there's better value uh, taking a Bregman with the 15th overall pick. You know, if you're in the position to to draft a Vlad and you know somebody wants him, like you can get two first round picks probably uh, somehow, some way out of out of doing those things, whether it's this year or next or whatever. Um, there's ways to do that sort of trade to give up a guy like Vlad, and that that two first rounders is far more valuable than uh, Vlad at this point. So you know that that's why I don't have him top ranked because I think you can take advantage of his overvalue. Um, and, and I, as a Blue Jay fan myself too, I, I hope that he becomes as good as they all say he is. And I hope he's as good as the hype, but from a fantasy perspective, I will always take two first round talents every time over one guy. It's, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah. Something that I, I have heard was if you were to take uh, a good start of a good first month from Vlad, whenever it is that he has it in dynasty that first month, he breaks into the league and he's hot. Like Soto was last year you'll be able to get more for Vlad with that first month than you could with 
any other current top 10 player, let's say for Trout. Good uh, questions. Because everyone's going to say, oh, I'm going to have this guy forever because he's, he's younger than everybody else. But at the same time, if he's able to do it with a Toronto team that essentially is not going to have much to protect him. If he, assume he bats third when he does come up, Smoke will be fourth. He'll probably have Guriel two. Um, it depends yeah, I, on what's up with Travis. Like he's not going to, they're going to pitch around him. Vladdy's going to hit two. You think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vladdy will hit two. He's, he's on base percentage is too high uh, to, to drop him down the lineup any further. Uh, he'll, he'll definitely be in the two hole in my opinion. Okay, so we well, okay, so we see him there, and then uh, so for me, I'm just gonna rattle off my uh, the remainder of the list here. So I've got at at what is it five for me? I've got Chris Bryant, six is Rendon, seven is uh, Nick Castellanos, eight is Eugenio Suarez from Cincinnati, nine is Matt Chapman, and ten is old man Matty Carpenter. Um, so your list and mine have four of the five same names but in a completely different order so uh, fire away and tell me why i'm wrong on bryant as five where you have the old man carpenter i mean for me maddie carpenter had a bad start to last season and everyone wrote him off um he's still for me better than bryant suarez you know the, the rest of your list uh, i just think he he produces in too many categories he walks enough uh, he still hits the ball as hard as anybody uh, he's only going to be better with Goldschmidt in that lineup. Uh, that that St. Louis lineup has guys that uh, Harrison Batter and uh, Tyler O'Neill that are going to come out of the woodwork this year. Paul DeYoung is going to have a bounce back. We talked about this last week. Um, that lineup is scary good. When when Yadier Molina is one of your weaknesses in your lineup, you're going to be fine. Uh, so for me, that's why I got Carpenter that high. I just think – He's in a production period, and similar to what we just talked about with Vladdy, I think owners of Carpenter are going to be in a value position to either win their their league because they're going to get Carpenter a lot later at a better value, um, or they're going to be able to trade him at a higher value than maybe what his actual worth is um, and, and get some better team value at that point as well. Sure, and I, I think like – on the high end for Carpenter to say, you know, this was his age 32 season. So he's going to be in his age 33. Bryant has six years of youth on him. We're going into Bryant's 20 year, 27. Um, he didn't play a full season last year. It was 102 games for Bryant. So the down year for him, uh, he still had an, an 834 OPS. His career average is still 900. Um, but like he's everything that he did last year was lower, but his career averages, which are two seasons in front, but they're both higher. So his average at 272 and his career average at 285. Those are things that don't scare me at all. And when you're talking about the lineup being good, if you're looking at the Cubs versus the Cardinals, aside from the fact that St. Louis is boring, as far as Bryant is concerned, <laughs> uh, their lineup in 2020 is going to be boring because Carpenter might still be there. But Goldschmidt's going to be gone. Um, you know, basically what they're going to have left is a bunch of guys who you just mentioned, you know, and O'Neill, uh, DeYoung, and others who, uh, Bader, who need to come up and perform. We just don't know that they're going to. But we have a Cubs roster that does have older players, not older, but they do have guys who are hitting their prime years um, in Rizzo, Baez, and, and depending on what happens with uh, Russell, that are actually going to potentially be pushing back. And you had also said before that, you know, the Cubs had had, they had a down year uh, as a team last year. I think they can come back quite strong, 
But at the same time, if I'm picking between Bryant and Carpenter for my fifth, like Carpenter's just blown out of the water by the potential of Bryant versus Carpenter, who career high K's last year. Um, he's been rising in K's steadily for the last three years. I just, I don't know. He did hit 36 dingers. I'll give him that. He, his OPS was 897, like fine, but his RBIs are low. And yeah, but his RBIs are low because the team sucks. And I mean, I was wondering where the hell you were going with the Cubs thing because I thought you were going to say the Cubs lineup's better and I was going to just walk away. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> so I mean, ultimately, you know, I just I, I can't put Brian ahead of Carpenter for a couple different reasons. This one, I will admit, this one, this one's a bit of a bias against Brian. I just can't stand him. Uh, the way he squats and then stands up when he hits, like you have to. Ugh, who wants he, a player in baseball because they squat like that? Gross. I mean, I just can't. I like. I just remember like a guy like Chuck Carr, which is a way back reference, um, having those that wide stance where he bend his knees, and I just I can't watch it because then you know he'll stand up and get it. He'll get away with a strike call uh, because he's really what is he like six six? You know whatever he is. Yeah. I don't. Um, you know, I just I can't get on board with it. So I have a little bit of a bias against. But for me, I still think Carpenter's a better value play here. I think you still have a, at least three more years of good Carpenter. Um, I would you say know, you have max three more years of Carpenter, especially if he sticks in the NL. Yeah, and I, and I I think it's still a risk, but I I also think he's going to get a boost here because of the team around him. Where for me, the Cubs aren't getting better. Um, they, they, they've hit their ceiling on the offensive side. I, I think they've got, you know, enough of a team concept there that they can still win games. But I mean, you saw it last year. They weren't great. Uh, they had really long stretches where they were bad at baseball. Yeah. I think they could also potentially be a team like a San Francisco who adds a piece as the year goes on to help kind of, I don't want to say patch themselves up, but to keep themselves going. Like right now, Glenn would love this roster resource has, Old man Zobrist at 37 years old, leading off <laughs> of the Cubs. So, I mean, you know there's room for improvement in that lineup. And the, the only reason I was kind of harping on the long term is because we're dynasty format, and you do have Brian at six. So it's not like you think he's a terrible baseball player. Yeah. As you said, straight up. And for me, he was, he was five. So my six is Rendon from Washington, who you've got at 10, um, and Brian is your six. So um, why, why don't you like Rendon? He's entering his prime years. He's 28. I just think if you look at the rest of the guys on this list and the guys that I have ahead of him, I just don't think he has the same ceiling. Uh, Harper is is more than likely leaving Washington at this point. Uh, I think if he was ever going to go back, he would have done it already. Um, so, you know, I ultimately think that hurts Rendon's value. Um, I, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it at some point. I'm not a big Soto fan the way a lot of people are. Um, I, I think there's some troubles in Soto's future. And I think, again, that's for me the same reason I like Carpenter. I don't like Rendon because I don't think he has the same lineup support um, around him to, to give him some of the counting stats that, you know, really drive value in a category league. So for me, that's, that's why I don't have him as high. Could he produce in that five, six, seven range of our list? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all year to year and, you know, it's all depending on what, what, the way the wind blows and, you know, a couple of good breezes push, push fly balls over the fences. Right. So, you know, that's the difference between five and 10 on this list, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, yeah, really. It's there's a lot of situational things. Now here's another one um, for s- number seven for me, and and you uh, have Eugenio Suarez at eight, um, but sorry for me, uh, Nick Castellanos of Detroit, who most recently has apparently requested a trade. Uh, he's had enough of not being good uh, or on a good team once he got good at baseball, and um, yeah, so, and, and sorry, so that's my seven. And uh, yeah, and you've got Eugenio Suarez. So um, you only have Castellanos one spot behind. We basically, we're the same for both of these guys. They're just flip-flopped Castellanos Suarez for me, Suarez Castellanos for you. So what is it that you like about both of these guys or, you know, what, why are they where they are? Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a coin flip, to be honest with you. I mean, our list shows that it is. Um, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it comes down to, again, constant theme. It's the lineup around him. I think since he's a bandbox, um, it's more than likely a better hitter situation almost on every single day of the season. Uh, I think that lineup got a lot better uh, this year. You know, just I, I think people underappreciate how good Matt Kemp was last year. Um, and so I think having a guy like that in the lineup on top of, you know, the other pieces that they acquired in Puig and, you know, having Votto there already, I, you know, Scooter Jeanette, if he can be – what we've seen the last year and a half. Um, I know you're high on him. I believe in scoots. I, I can't, I can't believe in a guy called scooter. Cause it always makes me think of how I met your mother and the umpire guy. That was like the ex-boyfriend uh, and his name was scooter. So I just really, I watched yeah, that I, whole thing. First episode through. I don't remember the scooter. Yeah. He was the guy that the, the boyfriend that wanted to be a professional umpire. How do you not remember that? Like that's, that's the thing that stands out most to me in that show. Because it was the only only baseball reference in the whole show. I liked um, how they very inaccurately portrayed Canadians. And, yeah, I did too. And the inappropriate uh, children's television show that the girl was on. Yeah. And Alan Thick was the inappropriate host of of that show. Yeah, the holes are hot. Oh, holes are yeah, and they're so, they're hit song beavers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that show's classic. Uh, <laughs> white people humor, man. That's, that's what we got here. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, Suarez, Suarez for me produced in a, in a really tough lineup. Um, you know, they, they had some swing and miss guys in that lineup and Suarez kind of pushed through that a little bit. So I think that lineup got really, really deep this year. And so I I really like that position rather than, I I don't think there's going to be a huge market for Castellanos until the trade deadline. And with that being the case, being in Detroit in the first half of the season when it's cold, tough to produce. Maggie's going to be better this year. That's a fact. Um, but yeah, and the, well, the other thing too is like Castellanos isn't playing third base right now. Right, he is a third baseman, but they're they've got Candelario there. And yeah, you know, excuse me, Candelario is is like a former top ten prospect, and you know he was a big part of the what was the trade that he came over. Um, that's a good question, actually. I can't remember either. It was a, yeah. He was he was the big piece and some something that Detroit was selling off. Um, but anyway, like so, him and Suarez, they're both twenty six. Uh, Castellanos played fourteen more games last year, had almost a hundred more at bats, and his numbers. And I'm going to say this is a, this is what happens when you are on a bottom feeder team. His numbers for runs were great. He had eighty eight runs, which is like really, really well considering Suarez was on a not better team, but on a more competitive team that had 79 runs. 
Um, 89 RBIs for Castellanos to 104 for Suarez, but the average and the OPS to me are things that I think for, for Castellanos, those are his calling cards and things like home runs can definitely rise up for him, especially if he does, like you said, it's cold at Detroit. They get rainouts in April. They're playing double headers later in the year. Um, he only had 23 home runs last year and Suarez has just been like legit power pop. Um, he had 34 last year. But um, Castellanos is, is a 28 or 298 hitter last year with an 854 OPS. And Suarez's average is a little bit less at 283, but his OPS is higher at 893 because he does hit the ball hard and run. He's got a lot more doubles. Um, and I just think between the two, I'm looking at Castellanos and thinking he's going to be more of that J.D. Martinez power that comes along later. And, and I mean, maybe he needs to get traded in order for that to really get unlocked. A hundred percent. I mean, the reality is like Castellanos value is 100% tied to how long he's in Detroit this season and, and, and ultimately where he goes after that. Yeah. Okay. So like, if that's, you know, if that's the case, if that's how we're going to go for it, that's where I'm coming up with mine. Castellanos is a little bit ahead of Suarez. Yeah. And at the same time, everyone was kind of saying, oh, Cincinnati's going to suck. And like we've discussed, they're not, they're going to be a team that can definitely start the season doing quite well. And you never know how long you can ride that. Just talk to Oakland last year. So yeah, for, exactly. Yep. And to finish off our nine and 10. So um, we do have four different guys on this list, two of which we've discussed, which were both of our number tens. Uh, I have Carpenter and you have Rendon and at nine, I have Matt Chapman and you have Miguel Anduar. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Anduar? Cause I don't have him. I think I have him like 14th. But he's young. So I, I had a guy that was in my office, and he's a big Yankee fan. We literally lost three hours of our life watching video of Miguel Andahar trying to figure out how this guy was as good as he had been in the middle of last season. Why and did you let that guy into your office? I'm just curious. Because uh, we, we got deep into the YouTube rabbit hole. Uh-huh. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, he's also a Patriots fan. He was not well-liked. Um, so, you know, ultimately, you know, with Anahar for me, what I determined was that he's a phenomenal off-speed pitch hitter, at least, you know, adjustments. I don't know that I would necessarily go as far to say as he's sitting on the pitches, but a little bit along the lines of like a Vladdy Guerrero, Guerrero Sr. Um, just has the ability to put the barrel on the ball. Um, and for me, that you, you can't teach that. There, there's no technique. There's no amount of practice that can help you accomplish that goal. And, and I think that makes him a little less prone to slumps. And, and for me, that's why I think his numbers were as good as they were last year because he just continued to hit the ball hard. Um, and maybe he'll just run into more bad luck than, you know, bad periods of time where he's playing. So I, I like him for that reason um, more so than, than a guy like Chapman. I just think Chapman, he gets overhyped because he's good defensively. Uh, he's great I, I, defensively. Yeah, and that's it. Like, for me, it's it's like a top shortstop prospect. Like, they come up being these these absolute studs, but they're studs because, you know, they provide defensive war, and they get hyped up because the high, the prospect lists are considering all things. Like, how are they going to impact the, the end of that game, not how are they going to impact a fantasy result, right? So, you know, ultimately for me, Chapman falls into that category, which is why I don't have him as high as, as you do. So, you know, why don't you tell me why you love Chapman? Because uh, I mean, I'm, I've got him way down my list compared to where you have him. Yeah. And I mean, I like in full honesty, I, I had to give it a rethink because 
I showed this list to a couple of uh, other guys and I said like, what are, what are you thinking? Because my, my list ended up being 30 plus deep because we're talking about deep dynasties. So everybody needs a player at every position. And uh, the ba- ba- feedback was basically, why do you hate Matt Chapman? Have you not, have you not really looked in? Last year was his first full year. So he had 100, so he's 20, he'll be 26 this year. He had 145 games last year. He batted 278, uh, 864 OPS. And um, like he, he strikes out a lot, one, 146 for strikeouts to 58 for walks. That's something in Dynasty, especially categories, I look a lot at because I don't want guys who are going to just kill me in Ks every week. I had this thing for Joey Gallo once. It didn't work out. I've moved on. I'm a better man for it. Oh. <laughs> surprisingly low for him last year was his RBIs were 68 and that was on a t- like a playoff team, a good team. So I think that's something for him that can really actually jump up without him doing anything, but having better players on base in front of him. And he did have 24 home runs last year. And in 17, he came in kind of like Reese Hoskins did where they both came in and were just mashing. And it was 84 games for um, his break in year and he had 14 home runs. So to nearly double your games, and only go up by 10 was, you know, somewhat a disappointment, but he's playing in Oakland. So I'm not expecting a ton, but he hits the ball. He gets a lot of hits and he is so good defensively that in dynasty format, I'm not worried that in two years, he's not going to be a starter. Like not that, you know, we're talking top 10, but he's at the end of the top 10 list. When we get into other guys, you start to see the warts a little more clearly. And for me, he doesn't have the wart of, will he still be playing in five years? He definitely will still be playing in five years. Yeah, and I'm not totally against where you're coming from on this. I, I just think the reality for me is he also hasn't experienced that sophomore slump yet. I think he's going to get attacked a little bit more than than some of the other guys. Like a guy like Miguel Andahar should fall into that category as well. But I think the difference for him is that he's in probably the deepest lineup in baseball. Um, you know, you can make an argument for a couple other ones. But, I mean, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Yankees top to bottom a little more scary than than some of the other ones um but you know i think at the end of the day that that's why i had Andahar there um and and i obviously i had rendon in at 10 so i mean i wasn't putting rendon any further down than that so uh, for me there just wasn't any room for chapman to even be on the list and quite frankly i still have Mustakis as a, a better version of matt chapman like he's going to give you a little bit more consistent production um and and you know i think for me that's that's where he comes in i think to your point though where where his value similar to Mustakis comes in is that because he's so good defensively he's going to get run out there every night and and like bragman he's going to drive those those ab totals which means home runs and rbis and runs are going to be at a higher clip um just based on the number of times he's going to get to the plate so um you know, that, that ultimately is definitely a part of that concept as well. Well, I think, like, I think that's a good point you bring up about Moustakas. Uh, like, the problem is that, obviously, he, somebody, somewhere there was an error made where he did not get paid uh, last year. An agent overplayed their hand or whatever it was. Um, but he, he needs to get to a team before I, like, and I feel like I'm Glenn now <laughs> with Machado last week. But I feel like he needs to get to a team where I can look and say, okay, he will be their third baseman. Um, because it seems like when you look around depth charts for everybody, there are adequate 
third baseman on 23, 24 clubs. And then you look at some of the others that are, you know, you're not totally sold on. And one of the guys I'm going to be talking about, um, it, it's, it's a matter of like, well, they definitely could be right. Like if you look in Milwaukee where he was, um, you know, Travis Shaw is going to be taken over third base. They've got a, a weird little cluster at second base in Milwaukee right now, a second base shortstop. But Shaw looks like he's going to get the time this year. And, I mean, last year you had an 825 OPS. and like Batting average wasn't great at 241. He's not in the same tier, but he still had 32 home runs. And the year before that, he had, he had 31. And we're not even considering him, you know, on, on a top 10 because there's a lot of talent elsewhere. And, I mean, you know, to your point with, uh, with Moustakas being just off the list, like I didn't have Shaw just off my list. I had him, like – way down in like the high teens because I just don't see him, you know, really making it long-term. A guy that I had just off my list was Raphael Devers. Um, he was 21 last year and we've all forgotten about that. Uh, he did not have a great year, but he was on, I think the best offense in baseball and he did not have a great campaign, but they just kept putting him out there. And I really think he's got another full year before steroid cheater bastard, Michael Chavis, comes up and even tries to you know attack that position because he did like Devers went from 284 average to 240 in his first full season his OPS went from 819 to 731 and and this was like a team that was playing so much better and you know his his walks to K's like he's he's only getting a walk for roughly every three K's it's not terrible Um, he'll steal a few bases but He's 20, he was 21. So I still feel like he's got the most room to grow of all of the prospects or sorry, of all the, the guys that we didn't mention. Um, uh, yeah. So he, t- he's not some great value either to, for me. He's just a guy that I would say he was probably 11, 12 on my list. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not as much in the Devers court as you are. Um, I, I'm in the Chavez corner. Uh, I, I think Chavez is going to be the third baseman for a long time in Boston. Um, he's a full field hitter, um, you know, kind of similar to let's call him a Bogarts with more pop, which, you know, we talked about last week. Um, I, I like the distribution of, of statistics that you see with Bogart. I just don't think they're as strong as they should be in the lineup. Um, and I think Travis has that little bit of extra pop. Um, even post he does, steroids, he puts a little bit of extra pop in himself. Yeah, yes, he does. even post steroids, it's there. So um, for me, Chavez is is that guy. Devers for me is is I think fall off over time. I think he'll have one really good season at some point in his career. We'll all look at that and say, "Oh man, that could be so good." But I just don't see him based on what I've seen so far. I, I I'd love to see the kid take a step forward, but. Um, based on what I've seen, I'm just not ready to, to say I think he's a good hitter because I, I don't. I mean, there's no question this guy looks strong as an ox, um, and, and I think he hits the ball hard when he does. Uh, I just think he's one of those guys that's going to – it almost seems like he struggles with pitch recognition, um, and we'll see if he can get past that. I mean, that's part of growing as a, as a major league player instead of just ripping up minor leagues. So wouldn't be the first guy to – to kind of flare out at the major league level. Right. And I mean, in Boston too, right. We, we saw, um, Oh goodness. What the heck was that guy's name? Who was the, the next coming at third base in Boston? Uh, Middlebrooks, Will Middlebrooks. Oh yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. Guy. You know, swinging a miss on Will. 
Um, but okay, so here's one, a quick one for you. So if, if a trade proposal comes through and it is your Josh Donaldson and to give away and you are going to pick up uh, Raphael Devers in dynasty format, no con like you get him forever. Are you making that trade? So there's so much to that question. Like how good is the rest of my team? Right. I mean, do Let's I say have you're a and win now you're, you are um, a team in uh, some form of transition where you'll need a lot to break, right. To compete. I, I would want more than Devers for Donaldson um, yeah. to make that move. Uh, I, I'm just not, I'm not buying on Devers. I mean, it's just simple as that for me. Um, you know, it's certainly, it's not like I, I've been never been wrong. And I, you know, like I said, I hope well for the kid, but um I just I, I'm taking Donaldson in in all all formats I can get him um, because I, I think hitting between Acuna and and Freeman a healthy Donaldson is going to have a real good bounce back season um, and so I'm not ready to give that up for a guy that I don't believe in. Um, there's certain guys I do like Chavez. If you were to switch that and say Chavez, I do that deal all day every day. What um, if I said Chavis, because that's how it's pronounced. I I, I like Chavez. <laughs> You're gonna have people looking up C H A V E Z or Z, yeah. and they're gonna be like, "Who is this guy on Boston?" And I hope there is one, and I hope somebody drafts him. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if if you don't look up the right Chavis Chavis Chavez, can I call him Chavis at this point? Like you could even do the Moneyball Brad Pitt thing and. Chavi. Chavi? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I'm just going to make it a Y. Like yeah. Chavi. Uh, yep, done. So okay. from now on, anyone listening, we're, he will be forever known as Chavi. Chavi. Um, All right. Michael yeah, Chavis so, is now Chavi. So, so oh, the nice part about a Donaldson for a Chavi is I could probably get Donaldson Chavi in a draft pick. Um, and, I, and I would do that. Yeah. But, but Devers for me, it, it's less to do with Donaldson's value and more to do with I, I just don't like where Devers' potential sits right now. So same situation, you're a, you're a middling team, need a lot to break right in a big league, and somebody says, uh, I want to win now, uh, Anduar for Donaldson. You taking that one? They want to give me Anduar? Yeah. You get him forever. Assuming I don't have somebody in my pipeline, yeah, I do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, just, yeah, I just wanted to see, like, in a straight up where you, where you would move. Because, I mean, like you said, we both think that Donaldson can definitely have a good year. Um, but in our dynasty formats, we're discussing – more than this year and obviously you don't want to necessarily lose production like you're you're willing i guess to lose um production on donaldson for this year for uh chavy long term uh, but if you can get the bonus of some some uh you know anduar this year then it, it's it's even i, I mean I, I as a as a human being and in some a fan of baseball like it i it's hard not to root for a guy like donaldson i mean and that's that's where i got to be careful when it comes to donaldson because I just like the guy, like the player, like the grit. Uh, he he checks all those hard hat boxes that that you want to see in a, in a in a third baseman. So for me, I, I always got to move past that, and that's why I hesitated on Andahar um, mm -hmm. because I think for whatever reason the Yankees don't like Andahar, uh, yeah. and, and I think you know that's a mistake. Uh, I think they just don't realize what they got because of the you know the plenty riches or whatever the right word they have, a third riches they have. Uh, in that lineup. Um, well, so it's the same thing when Didi came over to take over for Jeter, right? Didi was never going to be good enough. So he was yeah. just going to be a stopgap, even though he was an intentional trade for a long-term replacement. He wasn't a free agent. 
Um, yeah, See, I don't. I don't think they they required him as a as a long term though. I think they were. He was the stopgap until Glaber got there. Uh, and then well, they wasn't Glaber. I thought they had. It, was it Castro? They had some. I thought they had somebody in the pipeline. Um, but no, Castro came from the Cubbies, right? He was at the Cubbies first, and then they put, they brought him over. But uh, yeah, right. regardless, yeah, you're right. Yeah, for me, Didi was the stopgap, not not the solution. Um, Anahar, I think, kind of came out of nowhere, and I think that's part of it. Like he's right. always like a middle of the road prospect for them, and then all of a sudden he took a big step forward. Yeah, he's um, money for him. They weren't expecting him. Yeah, and exactly, and I mean that's for me why I I think he's a top ten element because unlike a lot of these guys in this list, I think you're gonna get Andahar further down the list, um, and it's why I bumped him into my top ten because I think you can get real good value for him without giving up value at a different position. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, so for you on on your list or off, what would be the best third base value? So we could be talking anybody here. We're going to discuss very briefly uh, prospects after, so we can set those guys aside for now. Well, we talked about this before we jumped on on the show. I mean, this is, for me, the deepest single position. Actually, no, I think we already said it on this episode too. But, you know, ultimately, this is the deepest position on the field for me right now. Um, you know, all the way down into, you know, the, the Zach Cozarts of the world, there's value. So for me, I'm, I'm liking Miguel Sano as probably the top of that, that list from a value perspective, because I think people look at him and they look at Buxton and you and I have talked a lot about Buxton. Um, But I think Sano falls into that category too. He went down to the minors. People have kind of written him off because he's fat. Uh, Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you're fat, it stays warm in Minnesota and (laughs) and he hits bombs. I mean, Minnesota. Um, <laughs> so I mean ultimately for me that's why I have them there um, I, I do think Minnesota's not gonna skyrocket by any means this year but I do think they have a big bounce back year um, and I think it kind of centers around those two guys Sano and Buxton so okay. I mean for me that's the one I, I, I almost want to try to guess your value pick um, well, hold on just real quick before you do because you, you won't get it so, uh, so Miguel Sano, I have on on a, the deep list as the 21st. And just like insult to injury, Eduardo Nunez for Boston is 20th thir- for third base. So I do not believe Miguel Sano is going to be a good major league baseball player. For a There's time. a 0% chance Eduardo Nunez is ahead of Miguel Sano. Like no chance. Like, like listen to the, what we've talked about. We have Devers. We have um, there's Brock Holt there, Chavis or Chavi. Yeah, yeah. Chavi yeah. is coming. Chavi. Yeah, so um, you know, eventually he's just gonna be Javi, right? That's where he's gonna get to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean, ultimately, there's there's just not enough at bats for Nunez to be ahead of a couple of the guys that you have him ahead of. I- I just look at what Sano did last year and how much time he missed. And I can see, cause it like, I mean, Minnesota is definitely going about things differently, right? Instead of letting Buxton uh, continue at the major league level, they sent him down to AAA and they kept him down there. And when you look at Sano, like they sort of did the same thing. So I feel like Minnesota is saying, if you're not the best player at that position and we can put you in the minors because that way you can play, they'll do that. And I mean, I'm sure there had to be something else going on with Sano where they were just like, they're just not happy with him. Something's up. But regardless, I just, for right now, for Dynasty format, he's got to prove it. 
before he's going to, you know, even sniff top 20. Like I, I kind of think he's a little high where he is now, but anyway, take a guess at who you think I've got for the best value and then uh, prepare to be amazed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I, I was going to say Kozar, but now you got me second guessing it. So I'm going to go with uh, Candelario. Candelario uh, is not it because I haven't seen, I, I like him, but I just, I haven't seen enough and enough people still remember him as a top prospect. He's going too early. So um, go back into your memory banks and remember Jung Ho Kang, the 31 year old from Pittsburgh. He is third base shortstop eligible. Yes. He has had three DUIs in Korea, which I think means he should be hung um, but with his only competition in Pittsburgh being Colin Morin, who did not have a good year last year, and he was kind of one of those hyped guys, just like in Pittsburgh, Josh Bell was supposed to be really good last year. They weren't able to do it. Now, uh, Kang got over here last year, and he played in three games. Um, he has a knee injury that's lingering, so he did ask, I guess, in the offseason if Clint Hurdle would permanently move him to third, so that's what he's going to be doing. And these numbers are old. This is 2015-16. His His average was 274 OPS 837 21 home runs in 16 that was that was pretty damn good that would give you great value back and you can literally draft him in any round now I was waiting to draft him in our 40 team uh, dynasty in the 22nd round I think was my plan or 21st round and the two guys in my queue right before picked the two guys sorry the two guys that drafted right before me picked both of those guys and Kang was the the first one so I did lose out but we're talking pick 670 something so in pretty much any league you're going to be able to pick them up and I have noticed a few guys in salary leagues they made the accidental signing of him and so that he might be out there and depending on you know how people feel about him I'm sure you can get him dirt cheap and he is only 31 he's going to be able to give you value hopefully for two or three years before you really have to start to wonder uh, much about him because Pittsburgh doesn't have um, third baseman coming up that are going to bump him around if he stays at third. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, I, I think the all I can think about right now is major league three and, and the, the Asian character that's the marbles guy. So <laughs> that's all I can really wrap my head around right now. So I'm kind of distracted, but sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> At the end of the day, I, I think he, the problem there is Kang's just going to be a little rusty. So from a value proposition for this year, I think it's going to be a little slow for him to get back up to speed. Um, and there's no reason for anybody to throw him a fastball. Um, if I yeah, And he's perfect to sit on your bench in April. And, and at some point in May, you might start to realize he's turned it on. Um, you know, Yahoo's app is great for showing you the last, I think, seven days and 14 days. So that could be one of those guys where you do, you draft them last or you watch them on waivers, depending on your league size. And then you can snap them up as soon as you start to see the turn. But like for a free player, you know, it's hard to beat the potential of top, you know, I would say top 200. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you on that. And I think a really nice sleeper opportunity, um, as you're saying, he's going way, way late. I, I prefer to take more of a sure thing at third base. Uh, it's just too good of a position to, to take that big of a risk for me. I, I like Sano's production uh, as more of a lock. I, again, especially when we, we did talk about this last week, especially because of how bad um, the AL Central is going to be. 
So, I mean, there's there's no pitching in the AL Central short of Cleveland and, and an upstart Chicago White Sox team. Right. Um, it's it's pretty, pretty barren uh, across the rest of that division. So, you know, I think ultimately there's an opportunity for Sano to – to get some good good stretches going uh, on some of those those divisional stretches that they got on their schedule. Well, we shall see from them. And now we'll head to prospects. So I've got a list of seven. Do you have this list in front of you, Ty? I, I've got my list uh, okay, perfect. in front of me here. Yep. So, um, I, I mean, it's hard. The, the one is obviously Vladdy. I mean, it, he's number one on every list of prospects. Doesn't matter position. Or, or timeline, he's won. Um, we disagree heavily on the next guy for me, oh. um, which is Javi. Oh, um, right. yeah. So for me, Ch- Chavis is, is the number two guy on my list. He was number one in Boston system before last season. And yeah, cool, he cheated, whatever. Um, oh, that's he, cool? Yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I, I, I'm past it. It's not going to impact his career. He absolutely raked in the second half last year in the minors. Um, I'm, I'm hitting the Chavis button everywhere. I own him in every single league, and I will continue to own him in every single league because he's going to be that good, and people are just giving up on him because he had that blip on the radar. Well, I know, I know when he did get suspended, he put something out on social media about how he has no idea how it got into his body and all these things. And, and yeah, totally get it. Like, you're shocked that it happened. People forget, you know, Stroman had a 50-game suspension. I think the year he signed, it was something to do with some kind of, like, cold medication, whatever it was. Sometimes for the guys, it's um, accidental. But I had looked and definitely found out a lot more about his um, penalty was the same banned substance that was Chris Colabello's. And that was the same drug that was being used by all the Russian athletes way back in the 70s and 80s when they were dominating. So I, I firmly believe he was knowingly cheating. And to me, like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a dominant um, impact player immediately. So for me, I have him seventh. Now, a year ago, I was all over him. But a lot changed in a year. And for me, Austin Riley of Atlanta is the perfect number two. And he's going to work in really well at some point this year when Donaldson gets hurt or if Donaldson gets hurt. And then uh, if Swanson's struggling and Camargo has taken over at shortstop, Atlanta's going to need a third baseman and Riley's going to be the guy that comes up. And I can absolutely see him just coming in, doing well. And Atlanta's going to have a great issue on their hand with potentially Riley doing well and Donaldson coming back if he does, of course, get injured. Yeah, I mean, Riley's there only if Donaldson gets injured. Based on knowing what we've seen with Anthopolis up here in Toronto, he will remain in the minors until there's an open pathway. Um, I mean, Donaldson's going to be out for an extended period. I just, I think they've got Camargo there still. So I don't think there's any rush to get Riley to the pros. Um, and, and I really think you've got to do a determination of how good Donaldson can be for you first. So um, I just think you can do more damage to a prospect by, by pushing them into the spotlight before they're ready. Um, I've got him in fifth. Um, I, I think he's going to be a great player. Um, I, I could see him potentially coming up before September, but um, I, I think it'd be more in a spell-off role than anything else. Um, and I think it'll really depend on, you know, I assume he's going to probably be at AAA this year, but 
yeah. um, depending on how good that AAA team is. Like if they're going to make a run, you might see him stick with, with that team for a little bit longer because of that. But uh, if they're out of it, you might see him have an opportunity to get up before September. But um, I actually have a guy that nobody has third on any third-base prospect list I've seen, um, and that's Brendan Rodgers. Uh, he, he is a third baseman. Uh, I think he's capable of playing second. Um, I do not think he's capable of being a shortstop at any point in time. Um, that's just my read on him. Um, might be a little harsh, but uh, I do think he can hit. Uh, and I think anybody that can hit and is going to play in Colorado um, certainly gets a bump, which is also why I have him as high as I do on my list. So, um, I, you know, obviously the, the big caveat here is that we still have Nolan Arenado in front of him. And I think that's a big time problem. Um, so Colorado really has to make a decision this year. Are they going to be able to re-sign Arenado? Uh, because if not, you probably need to ship out a Brendan Rodgers to get that ace that that staff needs to, to make a deep, deep run. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, I think Rogers is fine. I feel like he's suffered from prospect fatigue, which has happened with other guys. You know, Franklin Barreto was another guy who was young, big trade with Donaldson to the, the A's, kicked around, everybody rated him high. But for Rogers, we haven't seen that taste of the bigs yet. So he's able to, I think, you know, on most lists, he's somewhere in the teens for overall prospects. Um, I've got him down in the 30s, but that's because it's it just hasn't, he hasn't come up yet. So what's the point in, in overrating him? Now for you, what you're saying is, seems perfect, right? If Arenado walks, you could have Rogers come up in September, get a little bit of time in the bigs and then potentially, you know, hand him third base next year. Um, and I could see a similar situation in Atlanta where they've got Donaldson. And if Anthopoulos is able to work out a deal because Donaldson's hitting well, you get him for another two, three years, maybe instead of all these pitchers that Atlanta has as prospects, they could be trading Riley somewhere else for some sort of a piece, whatever it is that they need, right? Every team has a need at some point in the year. Um, you know, we've seen top prospects get traded for closers when, you know, Chicago with Chapman and Torres. So anything can happen. Just crazy in itself. But yeah, when you look at it now, right, it, it just looks so silly. Um, so my number three is uh, Nick Senzel. He also is apparently going to be in contention for the starting center fielder job in Cincinnati. But he's a guy who was injured, la was ready last year, uh, as we just described two guys that we're now talking about in uh, Chavi and Riley, um, who are ready to go. But Senzel was ready a year ago, had injuries, did not get that opportunity, and could potentially break camp, as you know, we're seeing some reports with Cincinnati. So well, and I think the thing with Senzel too, I have him four after Rogers on my list. Okay. And the, big, the other thing to consider there too um, is they drafted Jonathan India, who everybody thinks is going to be a, a fast-moving prospect as well. He's not going to be, um, you know, necessarily a, a middle of the lineup guy. Um, but but definitely a very nice piece at third base. I think that what they're saying here is that they recognize, which I, I've always kind of noticed with Senzel, he's never going to be a power guy. He's a great ball player, um, kind of along, you know, the cut of cloth of like a, a young, like a Steven Souza maybe would be a good example, like a guy that can, can have a variety of success at different points, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, a little bit of defense. Um, I think that's what you're going to get with Senzel. And I, and I think with the other guys, you already have Suarez. You've got India coming. For me, I think this is just Cincinnati recognizing they need to find a spot for him on the field. It's not going to be third base. 
Yeah, like I have uh, Jonathan India at, at five for me um, because I, I think, yeah, I think like he is a third baseman and I think Senzel has absolutely proven um, at least to the people in Cincinnati that he can be shifted around. So if that's going to be their plan, you know, he could be that super utility guy. Like I really don't want that for him. I want a position, um, but I can see that being it. But regardless, I see him coming up this year, making an impact in a positive way and continuing that moving forward. And if it's not at third base, so be it. He's going to be up in the bigs and moving around. So a guy that I'm sure you don't have on your top 800 third base prospects is my number four, and that's Nolan Gorman, who is, uh, was drafted to St. Louis. He is 18 years old, and yes, I will admit, he struck out a little bit when he moved up to, I think it was low A at the end of the year from rookie ball. He, he did strike out a little bit. Yeah, I have him seven. Um, so oh, I okay. Have, I do have him on my list, but but yeah, I'm. I, I he has freakish power. Um, it's there, um, but he has terrifying red flags around the strikeout numbers. Very um, Gallo esque. Yeah, I completely agree. And for me, this is a guy that I'm not going to draft. Um, but depending on your position in, on, in in your roster similar to some of why you drafted Gallo in the past like Gallo can hammer a category for you um so I, I think I think Gorman's still gonna have that possibility where he can single-handedly win you home runs and RBIs in a given week um and so for me in in, in a category league that that has some value no OPS um, won't crush you because of the power yeah absolutely I, I think what you'll see and, and I think this is the byproduct of being in the St. Louis system. I think you'll see him improve his on-base percentage as he moves up. Um, they will not rush him, and that's the advantage of being in St. Louis. They are extremely patient with their prospects. Yeah, and we'll have to forget about him for him to come up out of nowhere because that's the only way St. Louis likes to do anything with prospects is you need to forget about them, and then boom, they're playing their 30th game in Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, like I went I was at a coaching clinic a really long time ago and they had one of their their field directors from the system and and he said the biggest thing and the reason we always win and this was like back when Pujols was in his heyday and and he said we just have a St. Louis way and we just we we treat our kids differently than we everyone else does um and and that's why we consistently have our guys produce at the major league level. Um, and so for me, I'm, I'm always cognizant of a St. Louis prospect kind of having, let's say a, maybe a slightly lower ceiling, but a, definitely a higher floor. Um, so this one is for me is a little bit outside of their wheelhouse. You don't see them take a lot of power guys like this. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he progresses through their system. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, you know, India was taken what third overall, fourth overall. So uh, he was taken a lot earlier, and I have him fifth and Gorman fourth because I'm looking at dynasty potential. And if, like you're saying, if if um, St. Louis is able to help out his floor to bring him up, his ceiling is sky high. So there's nothing that tells me Gorman is a terrible pick right now. We've seen it in a rookie draft where Gorman went first, um, which, I mean, you know, love it or hate it it was a, it was a points league and i'm sitting 1-1 in the only roto league that i'm in this year and that's my rookie draft i get the first overall pick and i'm i'm thinking to myself there's there's four guys i'd take uh, in this spot i know who i want 
Um, but I, I would feel so much better to trade out of one, one. I was going to say, that's what <laughs> I'd, be doing. I, I'd be trying to trade down uh, into one eleven. Well, the thing, it's a first round or first year rookie draft. There are five rounds and I took this team over and it's loaded with prospects and I only have one pick in five rounds and that's one, one, which is really, really stupid, but that's just what, what I fell into. So I'm trying to make the best of it and I'm hoping to be able to get a little bit further back in the first round and something in the second or third round. Is Ronnie, Ronnie defending champion of that one? <laughs> Ronnie is not the defending champion, but he will be so excited to hear that he was on this podcast <laughs> in an unofficial capacity. That's, that's why I didn't make sure you got a little bit of a shout out. Uh, <laughs> so ultimately, um, you know, I, I'm interested to see, but I, but I think for, if I was in your shoes, I'd, I'd definitely be moving down that list. I think there's way better value uh, that you can turn in, in a Roto. I mean, Roto is such a different animal. Um, I'm not a roto guy. Just I'm not. It's boring to me. Um, you lose half the league halfway through the year, and for me, don't that, fire Ronnie up like this. Okay, uh, it's just it's, it's just not not, it. it's just not my jam. It's all it's yeah. it, we tweets their own. Um, it's just not my thing, and and that's that's where I'll leave it. I probably should get in one so that uh, you know Ronnie doesn't attack me in my messaging system. Uh, well, we did try to create a roto league that is called Ronnie's League. And then he refused to join it so he could show us how good he is at Roto. But uh, regardless of that, yeah, I, I, I mean, so of this list, we've kind of got off topic and that's my fault. Uh, I only have one guy who hasn't been mentioned and that's uh, Colton Welker of Colorado. And I mean, primarily you just said Brendan Rogers. So uh, Rogers would sir cap or sorry, would surplant uh, Welker, but I have Welker as somebody who could be two, three years away. And I mean, it's, it's so tough to look at like corner infielders in Colorado and not be like, hmm, I wonder. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think he has a little more potential to slide across the diamond. Um, and, and so that would be my only caveat there is, is if things kind of play out with some depth conversation there, depending on how Arenado story Rogers play out, uh, Welker is either one of trade bait or sliding across the diamond. I, I just, I don't, I don't know at this point. So for me, I had him a little further down because of that uncertainty. I just, his value definitely drops below that. Um, if he's shipped out to, let's say San Francisco. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we saw Chris Shaw go from being like a pretty solid prospect in San Francisco to, uh, a guy who, you know, we're 700 picks into a draft, hasn't had his name called yet uh, after he came in last year and had an OPS, I think, under 600. So, I mean, things can change depending on what system you're in, uh, even within the division. So, Yeah, so, I mean, that's it for me. The only other guy I have on my list is Ryan Mountcastle in Baltimore. Um, I, think okay. every, I think everyone is just really falling asleep on everybody in the uh, – yeah the Baltimore system right now, because I mean, Baltimore system's getting sneaky good. Um, people have forgot. They made a couple of really nice trades last year. Um, they have a couple of real good value guys coming that are not on anybody's radar yet. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys that I will be drafting in our 30 team or here in the next couple of days um, that I like really, really deep down in their system. Um, so, you know, ultimately that's, that's the things that, um, I think they've done a good job. And, and I think in that division, it's the only way you have a shot. So um, I, I, I just like Mount Castle's, um, you know, four categories, you know, kind of game. I think that's where he comes in. And, and it's just a good hitter's park. 
um, ultimately. Yeah, and I, and I think absolutely. He, I think he's also going to get to the pros relatively quickly, which is why I have him on the list. Yeah, he should be in, I think, this year, maybe by the end of May, depending on how things go. And, I mean, if, if VR is uh, bottomed out, then who knows what the heck's going to happen in Baltimore. It could be a pretty rough year start to finish for him. Um, I'm sure it will be regardless, but I just mean they, whether they let the guys run or uh, what kind of a what kind of a game they're going to let them play. So, yeah, it it will be interesting. But you know that's kind of ties us up towards the end here. Tell us what you think. I mean, we really want to know um, how wrong you think Rob is. What? Uh, so <laughs> tell, tell us tell us how how you would rank your list. Hit us up on on Twitter at Dingers Podcast. Um, and, and, and just tell us where we went wrong, uh, and then we'll tell you why you're an idiot. Or how right I was. You can do that too. I'm not afraid of positive reinforcement. I mean, I used to always have to have my mom tell the teachers that, that, you know, that is how Rob is best, is if you just, you know, lead his hand in the right direction. And I, I put a lot of time into the list and things that I do. And, uh, I, I mean, I really showed it to myself a couple years ago when, I started to notice I wasn't last place anymore or I was in last place, but by God, I had some good players coming up the pipes and you know, now I'm starting to see that in several different formats and several different leagues. So. Yeah, no, I prescribe to the complete opposite negative self-talk. Uh, <laughs> just give me negative reinforcement all day. Um, it fuels the fire for me. So yeah, I, I, I naturally pass that on to others and it's not as well received. So uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the food chain for me. So, um, but yeah, hit us up on Twitter, um, and, and let us know what you think. And, and next week, um, you know, speaking of sliding across the diamond, uh, let, we're going to round out the infield and probably fall asleep while we talk about the lack of depth at first base, um, which has become terrifying. Um, I, I will say this, you will see a big push there in the next six months once all of those DHs become relevant in the NL. Um, Boom. You get a DH and you get a DH. Golden era of first baseman is coming. Yeah, you're going to recognize a lot of the names, but you're when you look at the stats, you sure as shit don't want them on your roster. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. We're, uh, I think that's why uh, Will and Rosario pop back up. <laughs> so anyway that's that wraps it up for today and we will see you this time next week this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park (laughs) let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors some players might get waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go